Rock got a podcasting Charles McFall. <laughs> Try some new stuff today. We are actually recording some video to go with this audio as possibly something to release here in the future. But here's what the Rock got a podcasting is all about. It's all about me. Why wouldn't it be about me? Everything in life is about me, just like everything in your life is about you and what you'll find. And I've actually got some audio to prove my point. What you will find is that in telling my stories, you'll hear your stories as well. Maybe you'll learn something. Maybe you'll have fun. And maybe you'll just figure out you're not alone in this world and you are a rock god of your own life. Again, I am Charles McFall, and I'm going to get into it right now. I'd like to hear from you that is bear crawling. No, hey, wait, we got a new email, don't we? We have like RGOP. At charlesmcfall.com. RGOP at charlesmcfall.com is the way you can email in right to the show. It's super simple. RGOP is our rock out of podcasting. And I'm Charles McFall. How easy is that to remember? RGOP at, R- at charlesmcfall.com. Because apparently I forgot it. Someone said a bunch of times. <laughs> but also, facebook.com forward slash rock out of podcasting. There's rock out of podcasting.com. You can leave comments on the posts. Uh, at Rock Got a Pod is my Twitter handle, so I'd love to hear from you. And of course, if you go to rockgotapodcasting.com, there is a speak pipe tab right there. You can leave it, you click it, leave your own voice message. And this didn't actually come through that, although it's very similar, but this came from my friend, hashtag damn it, Carl. And uh, this is great feedback for the show, and I, I just wanted to play it right here. I just want to tell you that I've been listening to your Rock God of Podcasting You and I share a lot of the same stories. You and I have chewed a lot of the same ground. Different areas of the nation, but a lot of the same ground. It's it's really amazing. I I think more people get shot in my stories, (laughs) but the stories that you share are extremely similar to the ones that I have in life. So I just wanted to share. That's why we click, because we understand each other. And there you go, and it started to play a response back that I had. Uh, but thank you, Carl. And that's that's kind of what I'm looking for, for people to understand that we are together, that while I have some outrageous stories, my thought processes are similar to other people. There's no way in this world you're that alone with your thoughts and that alone with how you respond to things. And th- that response to me meant everything. He is a friend of mine. We do click. Uh, we don't get to talk all that often. Um, there's a possibility we weren't that close of friends because he came with IRUSA. Uh, that's how I met him. I met him at New Media Expo. He pitched us. Uh, I was with Success Freaks at the time. He pitched us working with IRUSA. And uh, since then, I've left Success Freaks. And and why I do like him, and we don't get to talk that often is what I'm saying. So, you know, you never know. When you, when you split off from something, life takes different paths. And to get that feedback, not only it says, yeah, we absolutely click, and this is, this is really cool. The stories are clicking with them, and that's what I'm talking about. So I want to say thank you for that feedback. I want to encourage everybody else who's listening to give some more feedback and let me know how it's affecting your life. I love to hear that. Even if you don't have a question, I love to hear that it means something to you, that it is touching you, that you are getting something out of this. And Because, yeah, I'm going to do the show for me, and I'm going to keep doing this show. And to be honest, we don't have a massive audience, and that's okay. Maybe that will come. I'm not doing it for that. I'm doing it because these are stories that need to be told. Everybody needs to know they're the rock out of their lives. And I spent way too much of my life being told otherwise. So bring me your questions. Bring me your feedback. Love to hear it. All right, Mike, what do we have on deck for today? Well, you know what, Charles? Whether by accident or by design... 
Today's question just happens to come from hashtag Damn it, Carl. <laughs> Look how that worked out. So I was all fired up after listening to your religion versus faith podcast and hearing your Walmart story. I went into Panera tonight and I asked the guy, I said, can I get a turkey sandwich? And he said, there's no turkey sandwich. We don't have a turkey sandwich. I looked at the sandwich menu and I could see sandwich, follow list down, turkey. I said, dude, it's turkey sandwich. It's right there. He goes, sir, we don't have a turkey sandwich. I'm like, dude, it's right there. It's right turkey sandwich, sandwich turkey. I want that. He goes, oh, I'm sorry. I thought you meant the smoked turkey. I'm like, I didn't say smoked turkey. I said turkey sandwich. I got the sandwich home, found out he gave me a tuna. So he proved his point that they did, in fact, not have turkey. So my question to the rock god of podcasting is this. What the hell happened to customer service? Why is it so difficult to get just good service anywhere these days? Thank you. I'll take my answer off the air. Uh, something that went along with this question, actually, because he, he sent it to me uh, directly through Voxer. I'm on Voxer, and uh, we communicate that way. And he sent me a picture to go with this question, and I was able to send the question on to Mike to use here for the show. And if I thought about doing video today, I, I just did this kind of spur of the moment. I'm, I'm recording video to go along with this audio. Not exactly sure what we're going to do with it, but I would have gotten the picture put up, but the picture was of the menu and you can look, there's a smoked turkey and something, something sandwich. And there's this turkey sandwich. And then you go down like three items. There's another turkey sandwich and you go down to the bottom. It just says turkey sandwich. And he's like, it's right there on your menu. And it just, it blows me away. It blows me away. And religion versus faith. I tell a story there. You can go check that out. It's on rockgodofpodcasting.com. If it's not also in iTunes, because I do limit how many go to iTunes, not to keep you from getting it, but because files can only be so big and then it starts not reading correctly, so on and so forth. Uh, it's, a, it's a behind baseball kind of thing, inside baseball, whatever. It's behind the curtain. You don't care. But the point is, if it's not on iTunes, you can go uh, to get it off of rockgodofpodcasting.com directly. It's free. Okay, so this is going to be kind of ugly, but also at the same time insightful, hopefully. Nobody, it seems like nobody really gives a shit about good customer service anymore. And my ultimate short answer is this from the top down. I think Walmart ruined that for the world. And no, 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 no. This is, this is never going to be bash walmart they're the evil corporation oh they take over mom and pop no no i believe in in economy a free economy i believe in in making it on your own i believe that everybody has a spot i believe that i can be very very successful even in the light of the mark marins of the world taking over podcasting and the kevin smiths of the world and and the Chris Hardwicks, those the, the big names that everybody recognizes at some point. I mean, it was a big deal. Mark Maron had the president of the United States on his podcast, right? President Obama, while he was sitting in office, was on a podcast. That's that's huge, right? So I can still be successful. They're not going to crush me. They don't need to push me down so they can be successful. There's plenty to go around for everybody. I believe in that fully. So when I say Walmart ruined it, here's my personal experience with that stuff is when Walmart said our bottom line is is to give you the quotey fingers, because we're going to get into this, lowest possible price, right? We are the low price leader. That was their slogan for a very long time. 
when they decided to do that, they had to cut costs, right? They had to focus on making it about the money and not about the customer service. Now, here's that was after Sam Walton died, by the way. Now, he was a low-price leader, this and that and the other, but Sam Walton was about customer service. How do I know? Because I worked at Walmart while he was alive. When I was 17 years old, I think it was, I got a job at Walmart, and <laughs> I was dumb. I, I was dumb, man. I was so up in my head about stuff. I, I, I'm sure it had to do with me growing up being bullied. I'm sure it had to do with me feeling alone in the world and feeling out of control. Uh, I'm not sure if I've told this story yet. It's not going to play into this show. But if I've not told this story in full, then ask me. I will tell it on another episode. But there was an incident when I was 12 where my world collapsed. The church kicked us out of the church-owned home. And I think I have kind of told this story, but basically we, we ultimately ended up on the street, as it were. Uh, we I slept on the floor of a friend's house for a couple of months. And my dad actually worked at Walmart then. Um, so that was traumatic, very out of control, very my world collapsed. Because, I think I told part of that, actually, in Religion versus Faith, is you know this is what they taught me that Jesus was, and then they went and and emotionally slaughtered my family, and that that it threw everything off. So at the point where I'm 17 and I'm working, I get a job at Walmart. I'm always this go getter. I have to prove I'm better than everybody else. I have to be better than everybody else, and it, it, it did get so tiring. And that ended up playing into EMS, and I finally just got over it and started dealing with my control issues. But then I was wanting to go to criminal to school for criminal justice. I wanted to be a U.S. Marshal. I'd seen the movie, uh, the Harrison Ford movie, and Tommy Lee Jones, where where uh, ah, the fugitive, the fugitive. I'd seen that. And I was like, I love that idea. I love the idea of tracking somebody down, finding them, bringing them to justice, and justice meant innocent or guilty, right? That was what justice used to mean. And you could argue nowadays, justice means punishing the guilty. Well, that's not the definition of justice. Vindicating somebody as innocent is just as much justice as bringing the guilty to punishment. So I'd seen The Fugitive. I saw U.S. Marshals. Uh, I think that was it at the time that really, I was like, I like that branch. I like the idea of sitting with computers. I was very much a techie guy, very much a computer guy. I love the idea of hunting somebody down, tracking them down, then going out in the field and capturing them. But I was very much a cops are right mentality. And I've got a, this, and, and, and it was so one-sided towards law enforcement. It wasn't even funny. Now play into a story later in this show. But I get this job at Walmart, and I'm the go-getter. And I'm homeschooled. I can't remember if I'm, I've graduated at that point or if I – I think – I can't remember if I had graduated or if I was – because I was homeschooled, I could work full-time anyway. But either way, I was working full-time during the day at Walmart, so I got all the hours I wanted. I made friends. I learned the system. I was always about more power. And – in my mind, consciously, it wasn't about power to wield. It was about having the ability to do more. I was never satisfied. I'm still not satisfied. I mean, look at how many times I've changed shows or made shows better or filled a gap. Or like now, I'm doing rock out of podcasting. I've got two other shows in the, the hopper cooking right now, thinking about how to bring them about and, 
and if it'll work right. I'm always looking for bigger, better, better, more. Now, our morning Mon, who you've heard on the show before, and who, if you've ever heard me on Success Freaks, you know he was my partner for five years on that show. He taught me those words, bigger, better, better, more, but that's always how I lived. So I go in, I'm working in the toy department. I got hired for a holiday, right? Uh, Walmart and a lot of the retail stores will just do temporary hires for the holiday season. I got hired to work at Walmart in the toy department during Christmas where Tickle Me Elmo was launched. So you can imagine my customer service happiness there. (laughs) But here is the thing about Walmart at the time. I learned two interesting things from them. First interesting thing, very short story. When you go in you to apply, at the time at least, you go in to apply for Walmart, you make it to the first step, which is, hey, come in and have a preliminary interview. And I did the interview with the HR lady, and I had to take this test. It was a multiple-choice test. It's like a psychological-type test. And one of the questions on it, I remember this specifically, one of the questions on it was an employee uh, is caught shoplifting or something, and or you catch them. You, you see somebody taking something, it's less than $5. It's $5 or less. Do you report them or do you confront them and tell them not to do it again and let it go? Or do you just not say anything? And I think there was a fourth option, but I picked the second one. I said, I thought about it. I'm like, well, you know what? I'm all about forgiveness and grace because people are humans. Because it, I really wasn't. I mean, it was, it was. I don't even, I haven't even dug into the psyche of my 17-year-old mind at the time. But I know looking back, I wanted forgiveness, but I held grudges against a whole lot of people. In fact, this will play into another show. If you ask me about anger or rage issues or anything like that, I had them. And, and you might, some people still think I have anger issues. I've dealt with a lot of anger. I can, I can wield my anger like Harley Quinn wields a hammer. Or like, if you want to go anywhere else, you know, axe, any kind of weapon, I can wield my anger very well now. And I'm not saying I'm in full control of it, uh, as I maybe I could be better. I wish, I, I desire to be better about certain things and have better reactions about certain things. But that's not the point. The point is, if you ask me about anger or rage issues, I can tell you that uh, uh, I definitely had them for sure. And I, the saying I had was, I, I was so stupid, I said it, I have a very long fuse, which wasn't that true. But I have a very long fuse, but once it passes that point and it gets to the exploding time, it's on. And the reality was, in certain areas of my life, especially, I had a very short fuse. And once it triggered, it was it was hell on earth. And it was bad. I was a jackass and did so many stupid things. However, I thought I was about forgiveness and grace and giving other people a chance. I think because I needed to know I could have a second chance on things. I needed to know that somebody else would give me some slack. And I'd had some people give me some grace and forgiveness and slack in my life at that point. So my answer to the question was, if you saw somebody, a fellow coworker taking something home that they didn't buy, shoplifting, but it was less than $5, basically what would you do? I said, I'd confront them, say, hey, you're, that's not cool, man. You shouldn't do that. And, but I'm not going to turn you in. Just next, if I catch you again, I, I will have to say something. But you know, I'm playing this real world scenario out in my mind. Now, here's what the HR lady came back. She asked me about that. I gave my explanation. Goes, okay, no, I can understand that. But let let me give you a different perspective. We're a multi million dollar company. This is in the '90s. Now they'd probably be a multi billion dollar company. 
Uh, but I think at the time they weren't quite a billion dollar company then. Because you know what? Sam Walton believed in fairness. He just he didn't overcharge people and he didn't overreach either. <sighs> Whatever. Anyway, she said, uh, uh, here's the deal. If one or two employees in this store take five bucks, right? That's just $10. Not that big of a deal if you really look at it in the long run. Sure, I understand where you're coming from. However, if you add that to, she told me how many stores they had at the time, which was in the double digit thousands, if not triple digit thousands of stores worldwide. You start putting $10 in every one of those stores. Now you're talking you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in loss. And that's why we have to prosecute everything. That's why we're so strict on everything. I never thought of that. I get that because it's easy to look at a corporation and I'm getting into the customer service part, but it's easy to look at a corporation and go, God, you know, you know, they just, they just hammer on everything. They can't let people be people and there's no room for, well, even in a mom and pop store, you take 20, 30, 40, 50, a hundred dollars. That could really hurt a mom and pop store. It can hurt a large corporation, especially as it gets widespread. Not to mention all the other loss they have anyway and so on and so forth. And their business model was a little weak even then because Walmart would take anything back. And they were telling me horror stories that Christmas of, of at the time, the way you did returns after Christmas in those stores, they weren't nearly as large as the Walmart stores we have now. They weren't the super centers. They didn't have a huge return area normally. And so they would clear out an area towards the front entrance that you can see easily set up lines and put folding tables out. And certain employees would sit at those tables that were assigned there and you got in line, there's three or four lines and you got in line and you return things and they would just take it back. Right. I, I'm not sure exactly. I never worked it. So I'm not sure how you got your money, but they, you would get your gift card or your money or whatever and go get whatever you wanted. And they were telling me horror stories of people returning boxes, right? They, they'd gotten this present and it will say it's an iron and they bring the box. You're all right, cool. You know, right up to, well, later on, I mean, so much stuff and they're processing so fast because they did focus on a good customer experience. That was Walmart's thing at the time was you, there's no risk. Come spend your money with us because you can bring it back for any reason at any time because Sam Walton trusted people. That might've been a mistake. Depends on, on I, I don't know, man. You attract what you attract. And I was in the that side of the business at the time. I have no idea what kind of loss they had. But obviously, Walmart was a multi-million dollar company. Sam Walton was still one of the richest people in the world at the time. So whatever losses were happening wasn't taking him down, wasn't putting him in the poorhouse. But they, you know, inside that box that was supposed to be an iron was a brick. And they'd find that out hours later or days later but when because everything would just go into a buggy oh you returned okay put it in the buggy and once the buggy got full it got pushed to the back and a new an empty buggy was replacing it and there were people in the back going through it but you gotta imagine i mean so much stuff is coming back people returned like a barbie uh jeep that little kids can actually drive in that was obviously at least a year old if not more had been out in the sun had faded paint had mud, you know, well, you could get mud on it, opening it Christmas Day and driving it. But they brought it back because it didn't work. Well, Walmart took it. Now, that's ridiculous, right? That's over the top. I don't know how often that story kind of happened. And now, if you shop at Walmart, there you have to have an ID. There's so many returns. you can and Without a receipt, you can only do like two or three returns a year. Uh, and that was the other thing. You return it without a receipt then. I'm not saying it's better or worse as far as returns policy goes. I don't know. 
I can tell you I don't shop there anymore because their customer service is tanked so so horribly. But that was what it was then. And I was trained. That was the other thing I learned from Walmart was always treat people better than you want to be treated. They will get – and they were prepping us for the holiday. They will get ugly. And they looked down the list like, oh, you're in toys, dude. You're going to have a hard time. But here's what you need to do. Just suck it up. Just breathe. Always say yes thank you be polite because they will leave the fastest way to get them out of your face is to give them what they want as nice as you can and have them go away and if it's something you don't have and they're causing a problem you call a manager and you leave you don't stand there with the manager and help solve the problem you leave because it's, it's diffusing they were teaching me how to diffuse situations without saying this is what we're teaching you so very strong on customer service uh, very strong on learning other departments so you could help out, especially in your area. Learn. I was right next to the garden center and pets in that particular store. So I learned pets so I could help over there. I learned garden center so I could help in there when times were slow for me. That kind of thing. And same thing for them. I learned how to run a register because, especially during the holidays, they book so many people on register, but they start calling for help because it gets overloaded. It does. And I could run up and, and get on a register and help out. And it got me more hours. And it showed initiative, and they liked it. So at the end of the holiday, they kept me on. They laid off a lot of their temporary staff. I got to stay on in full-time during the, the or part-time, whatever. I don't remember. I, I got to stay on during the day working with the guy doing clearance stuff and so on and so forth and, you know, after the holidays. Shortly after that, I... Uh, the guy I knew how to run pets, the pet department, and the guy who was running that department just disappeared. And there's a, there's a whole lot about him. His name was Doug. I don't remember his last name at all, but I remember his name was Doug. He was I was 17. He was probably 20 in his mid 20s, so not that much older than me. And Doug corrupted the shit out of me. He learned I was a preacher's kid and made it his goal to to corrupt me. But he did it in a in a, a very much a, a kidnapper slash crack dealer kind of way. Like, hey, kid, I got candy. Come on in the van. <laughs> or, you know, that kind of thing. Now, he never encouraged me to drink or do drugs, even though he did both. He, he never even really offered that to me at all. What he did do was teach me about Dragon Con. And it scared me because he was a little on the odd side. So it was his roommate who worked there. His roommate who worked there, his name was Mitch. And Mitch was a really large dude. And I mean, I'm not, not like me. I'm a large, imposing guy. I'm a, I'm definitely overweight, you know, carry some fat. But even if I slimmed down, I mean, there's pictures of me out there where I slimmed down a couple of years ago. I was still over 300 pounds, but I was much, much healthier. Uh, and if I worked out, I'd have muscles, whatever. Now, this is one of those guys who was... Big, big. Like, how do you sit in chairs big? But he could walk around. He could do okay. But he was, you know, had the heavy breathing thing, all that stuff. And he had the neck beard. He had, <laughs> he had the neck beard. And, and he was the stereotype Dungeons and Dragons player, man. He had just the, the big, oh my God. Just picture, put your finger at the collar of your shirt, especially you ladies who don't grow beards. From there up was all hair. And it just went around the neck and, and just sloppy, messy doesn't look good and he, he had that and so the two of them were room, roommates and I, they would invite me to come hang out on days off or whatever so doug tried to teach me about dragon con and the way he described it at the time it was like three or four hotels that were really close together i think it's large much larger now than it was and you gotta figure this is in the 90s this it's it, this recording is 2016 so you're talking what 20 odd some odd years ago ish you know not quite 20 years ago so it's grown a lot but he's talking about oh it's it's he didn't describe i, I maybe they didn't have it at the time they didn't maybe they didn't have the big panels with tv stars and movie stars and 
sci-fi stuff. I don't know what he described was people get dressed up in costume, which was freaking me out. I, was like, I don't, that sounds weird. I'd never seen cosplay. It sounded stupid to me because my experience, I know this the rabbit trails are going off here, but my experience with dressing up was always stupid. And I'll, I'll save that for another show, but I definitely have issues with, with, uh, uh, there's these auctions that is are supposed to be funny where guys dress up as girls. And I'm not talking about actual transvestite festivals. I'm not talking about actual cross-dressers. Transvestites are cross-dressers in case you don't know, not transgender. That's where you actually change the sex. Transvestite is you dress as opposite sex. And I just use cross-dresser to be clear about that. I've been to uh, some amazing shows that were true transvestites. They really did well. And I'll be honest. When you do it and you have a beard, I'm like, to me, that's half-assing it. If you're going to do it, do it well. But that's not the point. I'm talking about these auctions that are sometimes for charity that get guys to dress up. And they always look ugly, and it's supposed to be this humorous thing. And I I go, that's a whole other story. I'm just going to leave it there. It just irritates me. It, It I'll go off for way too long on that. You can ask me about it for another show. But I had issues with... Not with cross-dressers, but with dressing up in costumes. I had major issues with that. And I actually don't know 100% why, so if you ask me, maybe I'll find some stories that I didn't know before. So he's talking about Dragon Con and that. And then he said, you know, it's just, and I'm like, that's weird. Why would I care? He's like, well, you know, you just go walk around the halls and you don't sleep for three days. And you just drink the whole time. And again, preacher's kid. At that point in my life, I don't know if I even had a beer. I barely smoked cigarettes at that time. And I'd smoked some in my life at that point, cigarettes. I had not touched any weed, no drugs, no alcohol. So it just was all really weird to me. And he thought it was funny. And he kept trying to get me to go and I wouldn't go. But he invited me over to his house and and I got introduced to computer games that way because they were all computer nerds. And you're talking, I mean, you're talking in Wolfenstein days, right? The original Doom from Ed was, I, I saw that there. So these are early days of video games on home PCs where people could have them. You still had to be pretty much a, a computer geek to still want to do that or be able to afford it or build it yourself. So I, was, I got introduced to that. Now, Mitch, however, took it upon himself to introduce me to the wide, wide world of bulletin boards. This is the precursor to the internet. Bulletin boards were a server you could dial a phone number to their modem and it would pick up and then you would look through their files that they had posted on a bulletin board style page. That's why they were called bulletin boards. But it wasn't just, hey, look at this connectivity. It was all about porn. And he had floppy disks on floppy disk on floppy disk of porn and felt it felt it his duty to introduce me to digital porn. Which, honestly, I kind of was grateful for. <laughs> I mean, I was 17 years old, zero prospects of a girlfriend, sheltered, repressed preacher's kid. It, it helped break some of the, the, the shit off of me, to be honest. But it's just weird. Anyway, anyway, anyway. So, I, as far as those guys, they worked in pets. I worked in toys. Well, Doug just disappeared one day, just didn't show up for work. And so, they asked me, hey, can you fill in start doing this and that sure the next day he didn't show up can you just ultimately i became the fill-in manager for that i even got a little manager tag that goes on my name tag i started running pets and doing orders and keeping things straight and making schedules and then he showed up one day and they said hey we don't need you to do that anymore and i was like what what the fuck do you mean you don't need me to do this anymore that's that's what i'm doing the job i have the tag i yeah well you know uh, so they made me assistant manager. I was like, but he no call, no show for weeks. I don't, what? Oh, okay. I mean, it was a weird, weird experience. So that was, that was 
where I went through with Walmart, and I got another story to tell here in a second, but that whole time was about customer service. Hey, if you see somebody, they literally said, if you see somebody and you give, you don't talk to them within 10 seconds and you get caught, you're in trouble. It was all about, hey, can I help you find something? It's never pushy. It was never pushy. I mean, Walmart beat into me at that time. Not literally, of course. You, it's all about their experience. If you greet them with a smile, hey, hello, madam, hello, sir. Hey, is there anything I can help you with? Give them, if they say no, thank you. Okay, cool. And you walk away. I mean, if you're working on the aisle, you go back to work. Otherwise, you leave the aisle because they never want the impression that you're hovering or having to sell something to them. So you you give them their space. That's great customer service. And I was goddamn good at it. In fact, I knew the... Because we all knew him because we worked there. You weren't there long. There was a, 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 I don't, I imagine they still have this, but there's basically a secret shopper that they have in the store. That's not like the secret shoppers that check up on a business. This guy was part of security and he was there to, to help prevent theft, right? And his job was to dress as a customer. And so they go through the store at different times every day and keep his eye out for shoplifting because people will shoplift around a, a customer. But they won't necessarily shoplift around an employee. And so that was his job. So even if I saw him, my job was to greet him. Hello, sir. Can you know, anything I help you with? And he would say, no, you know, no, fine. Thank you. And he'd turn around and kind of go into a different area. And I wasn't running him off, but that's what we had to do to keep up the appearance. So there was that. Uh, what was the other thing? What was There was another thing. Oh, oh, the other thing was, if they say, I'm looking in, you know, it didn't matter what department they are. So in my department, would be pets or toys, but they're looking for something in household goods. You don't go, oh, yeah, that's over on aisle 10. And that's the other thing. They wanted you to know where stuff was in the store. They wanted you to know over in sporting goods. This is a general stuff in sporting goods. Here's where you'd find that kind of thing. Oh, you're looking for this kind of household thing. It's not in household. It's actually in the hardware department. They want you to know these basics, right? Then they said, if you person by or somebody asked you, hey, where do I find such and such? You never go, oh, that's way over on aisle 10. You know, you can find it there. You're supposed to leave your department unless you're actively working with somebody else. Leave your department, walk them to it, help them find it, and help them even more. Get what they need. Get them the help they need. That's what the fuck I was taught at Walmart in the 90s, man. And it kills me that it's not like that anymore. So all that being said, that was customer service. I wanted to talk about my mentality about justice, and and this is how I lost my job at Walmart. And I lied. I justified it. I was stupid. I didn't fully lie, but I, I, I broke all the rules, all the common sense rules. There was a lady in my department in pets, and she was asking about fish tanks, and I loved fish tanks at the time. I still love the idea of fish tanks. I don't have one because I know I love the idea of it. I don't have the space for a good one right now. I definitely don't necessarily have the time or energy to take care of a fish tank, uh, but I do like them. And ultimately, I think I will get another one. But I loved working around fish and around fish tanks and all that jazz. And so she was asking me about fish tanks, and I was doing this and that and helping her. And I think I was even, I had gone over to, I think I had gone over to the pharmacy, which we were right next to because they had a register. Even though they were closed, they had a register. I could log in and check a price is what I think I was doing for her. And I was carrying it, and she liked the price. I was about to carry it up front, and they called a code. I don't remember what the code number is anymore, and hopefully, God, after 20 years, I'd hope they change it. But the code was, we have a shoplifter in the – it's like code 44 or something like that, but it means we have a shoplifter in the front. We need the men because they never wanted to jeopardize the females, even though there were some definite females that would respond that were tough and could handle their business. It really was about, I think their language today would be people who feel safe and strong enough to help 
uh, restrain a shoplifter. That's what it'd be phrased as. And I heard the code, and I just, I, I just had this stupid thing about being a cop and, and stopping bad guys and all this other bullshit that I put down the tank and said, "I'll be right back," and just took off running. So she, of course, was like, "What the fuck just happened?" and freaked her out, and she left. Because I came back later, and this fish tank sitting right there, and she's gone. Dumb fucking move on my part. Uh, period. Broke the rules of customer service. Went out to the front with uh, one other guy and the the shoplifter uh, security guy, I think it was. And we, he's, I don't remember the full story, but basically, because my adrenaline's pumping, right? And we're the only two to show up for some reason. And he didn't actually have the shoplifter in hand. And he said uh, they'd been going in and out, taking stuff to their car, coming back in. Uh, they, they really were brazen about going through and just stealing in waves. And the short version is somehow we saw them. They took, there's a golf course, by the way, a private golf community right behind Walmart where I was in Athens, Georgia. And so uh, they took off and me and this other guy started running after them. Don't know why. You, you, chasing them off property is dumb as fuck. I, I can't remember if they had a policy about not even leaving the store to get people. I don't know. I don't remember. But I was just stupid. Just like, I'm going to get them. I'm going to get them. Me and the other guy started taking off. And this guy was way faster than we were. And we ran up on this golf hole. Right where they're going to tee off. And <laughs> Jesus Christ. It's so stupid to even tell it. So there was a golf cart there. And there's two guys playing through the hole. And I was like, I need your golf cart. Like a cop on fucking TV. And I jumped in their golf cart and took it. I took their golf cart. I physically stole their fucking golf cart. What the fuck is wrong with me? Right? It, it was just so goddamn tunnel vision. And ended up chasing it. We never caught him, of course. Did this stupid shit. I brought the golf cart back unharmed. Of course, they called and complained. And they bitched me out. And I was like, fuck you. I don't care. This guy is stealing. I mean, it was like this, it was like this guy was a murderer and I'm a police officer and I have the right. I mean, it was like he was stealing stuff. And I'm just, you know, fuck you, man. Of course, they call and complain. Like two days later, I get called in by the manager or whatever. And I actually had, I had put in real quick because I had fallen during the chase. And we had to have us uh, khaki pants to work there. And we had to buy them ourselves. I don't believe we got any kind of allowance to buy clothes. But you had to. You had to wear certain color shirts and certain color pants. It was, again, I've learned since then, uh, fuck you. If you want me to wear a uniform, you will provide it. But that's neither here nor there. So I'd fallen and gotten grass stains on my knees during that. Well, I'd put in a request to get my pants replaced because um, I damaged them doing my job. Well, that's I didn't. Anyway, get called into the office later on, and they had their lawyer there, their legal representation, and the head manager, who I was friends with, and the assistant manager I was friends with, and it was really awkward because we were friends, and basically they had to fire me because I was a liability. In order to avoid a lawsuit from the golf people, they had to let me go. The, re the part I lied, I lied to my parents saying you know, the legal person said, what I did was right, and it was fine, but they had to avoid a lawsuit. Well, no, they didn't say that shit. I don't remember everything they said because I was caught off guard because I thought I was a superhero. I thought I was fucking Batman. I thought I was the goddamn police, and I thought I could do that shit. So as my 17-year-old stupid-ass mind, I had no idea what they were really saying, but they basically said I couldn't have, I couldn't, I could work again. I could reapply in like six months or something like that. So it was a like a suspension, if it were. It wasn't a permanent thing on my record, but I couldn't. They had to let me go to avoid a lawsuit. And because basically they said, you're a dumb motherfucker and that's stupid. You shouldn't have done that. So that's my experience with Walmart. So customer service, Carl, going back I mean, and Walmart is just a big experience I've had and it'll spread out. But I think they've ruined it because that's what Sam Walton taught. Sam Walton's thing was, and I just do in the security thing because it was just a big part of my experience there. But Sam Walton's big philosophy was the customer service, the customer experience. It wasn't just the lowest prices in town, although they definitely had the ability to give the lowest prices. 
And I'll, I'll tell you a little secret there. I mean, at the time, they believed that. If somebody was selling, and this is a true experience, somebody was selling cat food, and that's part of my job too. Once or twice a month, I had to leave the store on the clock, go shopping at Target and Publix and other places that were our competitors, and get the price in their pet department on what they were selling their stuff for so we could beat their prices. I had to go do that. And we were selling cat food at like a 50% loss, you know, because we were undercutting our competitors. However, other stuff was marked up way higher. Uh, I had a, a manager brag that they had, and they were still lower than the competitor, but they had marked up their item 150%. And it appalled me. It still appalls me today going, are you fucking kidding me? That's not what business is about. Fair prices. 150%? And even the businessman in me goes, that's ridiculous. Now, if 150% is still just $5, I can I can understand that. And that, I didn't understand that at the time. I, did, I don't know what the range was. I just heard the number, 150%. That's ridiculous. However, we were selling cat food for like 17, wet cat food, I think it was, 17 cents a pack. Well, it cost us like 80 cents a pack to even purchase it to put it in the store and so we were selling it at a loss but people were shopping there because we had the lower price and then they pick up other stuff that wasn't at a loss so on and so forth so walmart believed in that at the time they price matched everything and supposedly nowadays and i think that's part of my story in faith versus religion they flat out said we don't price match anymore i'm like what what the fuck that was a, a big thing since the day you opened the door anyway so you i re a reason i believe that they've ruined it is after sam walton died i have another story i went i'd been away from walmart for many years Still had an affinity for shopping there. Still had an affinity for going, that's a great place to be. I had a, even though I fucked it up and I lost my job because I was stupid, it still was a good experience working there. The people were good and they believed in their mission statement, which was low prices and customer service and, and treating you well. So I went to electronics. I was with my buddy and we were going to buy, this is when CD players were not super new, but the nice ones for your car, the portable ones that come with the car kit, you know, a little decent small handheld CD players were brand new. You didn't, you you no longer had to have a big system, but they were like $70, $80, at the time. It was kind of like the Walkman for CDs. Disc Man, maybe is what they were even called. And we went in and the two girls were doing nothing but leaning on the register. When we walked through, didn't greet us in electronics or anything, didn't say hello. And back then, electronics was like a gated area. Uh, now it's, it's definitely more open and, and spread out. But then they were very much worried about, that was one of the highest loss departments in the store because it was easy to steal something everybody wanted it so you kind of came in through this metal detector area this funnel if you will there's two registers on either side and you walked right through them neither one of them said shit to us didn't say boo and we walk around and, and it's dirty and stuff isn't stocked and there's holes in the shelf and and i'm getting you know old man on them even though i'm like 20 something years old i'm getting old man on them going you know when i was here or it was it actually could have been the exact same walmart actually when I was here, you know, the whole thing was fronting. And that's in all the stores. You, it's hard to find holes in a store. At different parts of time in the day, you will, for sure. But that whole idea is, is you give a, a front, a whole solid. doesn't matter if there's nothing behind it because we only have one. Just fill the hole with something because it looks better. And this place was destroyed. It was nasty. And we did our shopping. We figured out which disc man we wanted. I guess this is what I wanted because he was just hanging out with me. I was buying it for myself. And I had to go over to him and say, hey, because they're locked down, right? They're portable. We need to buy something over here. Yeah, okay, sure. And I went back over, pissed off. I'm waiting, and I'm waiting. And what I should have done was left, but I didn't. I don't know why I didn't. And I had to go a second. I was like, no, seriously. We want to fucking give you money. Can you get your ass over here? And, ah, oh, fine. 
And they came and got what I wanted. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? And that's that's why I believe Walmart killed customer service because they became about the dollar only. We are the lowest price, which they're not anymore, by the way. I want to stop here in this point of the story and say, you need to price shop because they will not even check their own shit online. They will not believe you with the app. I, I told that story and it just blows my mind. I'm showing you to your face. I scanned it with your mother fucking app and you tell me no that's not the price what the fuck walmart but i can back off of that for a second i can bring it back down for a second and say okay let's look at the reasons behind this customer service across the board has gone to shit walmart is a big leader in that and people do fall i mean you're a multi-billion dollar company right if any of the heads of them speak anywhere all the business leaders go because you want to learn from people who make a billion dollars a year i don't know how much they make they make a lot of money you want to see somebody's being successful, right? And for business people, a lot of times money success. Walmart has the trashiest shit. It has truly become, and I'm sorry if I offend you listening to this. I'm telling you from an outside, I'm not calling you trash. I'm not saying you're worthless for shopping there. I'm saying when you look at, when you go for the lowest common denominator, when you say, I just want the lowest price possible, you're going to get the lowest quality shit possible. Their brand Cherokee is horrible. It wears out in no time. It's, it's poorly made. Great value is poorly made a lot of times. It's leftovers. It's, it's some shit. Their stores are 90% of the time. that I've been into different ones. So 90% of the ones I've been into, dirty, dingy, have a, a dark feel to them. But the people don't give a fuck that you're there. And here's why. Here's why. Because from the top down, they've made it about the money. We just want people to come spend money. We're the lowest price. No, you're not. You're not the lowest price. Amazon beats your prices almost every day on everything. On a ton of shit, they beat your price. The only thing that Walmart has going for them is you can get everything in one place just about. You can get paint from the paint department and buy some goldfish and then go to the grocery side and buy some different kind of goldfish, right? And buy some, and then buy some underwear while you're at it. You can just get a whole bunch of shit. But they, they, they cater to the lowest common denominator. They cater to the cheap people who do not actually care about their lives and want quality goods it's become shit and in that sense also they treat their people like shit they treat their people like disposable items when people there used to be valued employees they treat their people like disposable items they pay us they pay them minimum fucking wage wherever they are and you can be an adult you can be a 40 year old motherfucking adult who lost their job through a layoff and you just need some income, you're going to get minimum fucking wage. You're going to work whatever hours they fucking tell you to work. You're going to work where they tell you to work, and they don't give a shit. Now, if you work for somebody like that, would your customer service be top-notch? Of course not. Let's even bring it down to the individual store. Anything I do, I'm talking about we take care of people, and I lead by example. I take care of people. I... I God, man, I just want everybody who works with me, who works underneath me, who works around me to be to love their job, to be happy with what they do. I check in with them often. I could run an individual Walmart store, and my burden is to make these numbers. But I know if I invest in my people and I pay better and give them a reason to be happy to come to work and to make sure they're happy and to give them what they need, I will, I will blow the numbers out of the water. But the managers don't do that. You can sometimes walk into a store and tell, oh, the manager here believes in what they say, and they walk that line. Because one thing to say, you need to smile at people, and you need to say, hey, can I help you? And you hear the tone of voice, and yeah, I put on a weird accent, don't know why, 
But my point is, I'm yelling at you. Or like, hey, come on. I'm smiling at you. I'm telling you, this is what I do. And you see me every day, walk up to me, hey, can I help you? I walk up to the employees, hey, how's your day going? Can I help? Are you doing all right today? Can, is there something you need? Do you need me to help you lift this heavy thing? I can do that for you. I'm treating you like I treat the customer. It makes you feel valued. That's where customer service starts is treating the employees right. So, Carl, when you went into Panera Bread or wherever the hell you went, and that person is so fucking ignorant that they don't bother to turn around and go, that is on the side. Oh, you, okay, so you mean this one right here, that sister? Oh, I'm sorry. And you do. You do. I saw the picture. You do have a smoked turkey sandwich, you dumb fuck. Right there at the very top, smoked turkey, gouda, and cranberry some, something sandwich. Then down like two more, smoked turkey and something, 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 something else sandwich. And then down at the bottom, just says turkey sandwich. It's on your menu. Now, if you say, hey, we ran out of turkey, that's customer service. Communication is not taught. And that's, that's the other downside of, of what has happened with customer service is they don't teach communication anymore because nobody communicates because the boss goes, here's your schedule, done. I don't have time for you. You want your check? Here's your check. They, they maybe have somebody else train you on how to run the register. There's no communication. There's no reason to talk to people. Most every place that is a customer service industry is a minimum goddamn wage industry where you can't feed your family and where they work you too much and they work you to death. I saw that at the hotel I worked at. Four-star hotel, I think it was. It's the Omni in Atlanta next to the CNN Center. Partners with CNN on buildings. Owns part of the Chick-fil-A Football Hall of Fame. Big fucking players. At least three stars, if not a four-star hotel. Now, where I worked, they actually paid me well. They treated me right, for the most part. Things changed towards the end. I don't know if I've told that story. If you want to ask about that story, go right ahead. But my point is, when I was there, I watched people come in, and they they are pushed to give this high service. And and the supervisors, not the heads of the department, but like the floors, there's a floor supervisor that wore a special uniform, a special shirt in certain areas. But the, the next level above them that still wasn't the head of the department had to wear a suit and tie. The customer service, God, what were they called? Basically, they, they wandered the floor and made sure that the clients, the business clients, were well taken care of. Suits and ties. Uh, women had to wear very nice dresses, uh, very you know, nice skirts, very upscale attire. And, and they did get an allowance for that. And, and you had to work your way into it. You had to prove yourself and this and that and the other. So there was this dichotomy of, Hey, on this level, we make people dress this way, but on the level that actually makes shit happen. Now you have to work together as a team. And if they, if, if some of the people in suits understood that it worked better, they would go take their tie off and take their jacket off and, and help build stuff. Cause you have to build sets, right? They had to put out tables and chairs for these banquets, but some of them didn't understand that and sparked orders. But the dichotomy, the, the, the divergence was you would hire somebody in at minimum wage and expect them to do this high-end service, but you'd work them 10, 12, 13 hours a day, sometimes seven days a week, sometimes 16 hours a day. You would overwork them and underpay them. And it just felt so often. I'm watching this from my standpoint of I'm kind of outside of the hotel because I'm a, I'm a contractor in it and I make decent money and I have the right to stand up for what I want to stand up for and tell my boss, like, no, this isn't right. And my company treated me with respect but I'm watching you and I, I see that, oh my God, you have to get all these things set and they're rushing and rushing and rushing you and yelling at you, yelling at them. Where, why aren't you doing this yet? When I'm talking about, you have to put out a hundred tables with 10 chairs each and there's two people to do that. 
And then they have to go and set up all these other tables and all these other break uh, meeting rooms, breakout rooms. But they also had to go set up shit at the Chick-fil-A Hall of Fame whenever there was a special event or a banquet. And they're constantly just being pulled and tugged and how are we on this and why isn't this done? And, and uh, uh, understaffed, overworked, underpaid. And they still tried their best to be customer service oriented. To if a client or anybody who's not somebody they recognize is in a room, they weren't talking and cutting up. If somebody approached them, yes, ma'am, yes, sir, no, ma'am, no, sir, let me find somebody to help you with that. They tried. But if you treat people like shit, if you treat them like a commodity, they're disposable, they can be thrown away, then you're not going to get good customer service. Education, caring. So so I'm going on a rant. I feel like I'm I'm about to tear off on this repetitive thing. So I want to get back to communication. That's the key. And every time there's a problem, I look at the bosses. And in the hotel situation, the bosses were shitheads. Their faces were always sour and kind of angry. Unless there's a client. And it's like, client. Back to sour, angry, snappy. There's one in particular. I don't know her name. But there's one in particular who was a boss boss of of hospitality, I think it was. And anytime I had to deal with her, even though it was, she was saying words that were polite, it was barking at me. And I'm like, I don't really work for you. So I'm going to clarify what you're saying. Are you, are you asking me? Yeah, that's I'm asking you, but it was in this, why haven't you done this? Fucked hard type of voice. And I saw, I was like, Oh, you're the boss. So it doesn't matter what you say. It has zero anything. Communication has nothing to do with what you say. Well, that's not always true, but you know what I mean? It's how you say it. It's how you believe it. And you can sit here and say, treat people with respect, but you don't treat anybody around you in your everyday life with respect. You only treat the clients who they're faced with respect. Then you'll turn around and bitch about them to people. That will lead to shitty customer service. And Carl, in your your example with the restaurant, I have to imagine I've worked in a Taco Bell. I've worked in Chick-fil-A. I've worked in Long John Silver's. I think that's it for the food industry, but I've worked in those food industries. And I've not, I've, I'm also tall. I can touch the overhead signs typically, which most people can't. But when somebody's trying to ask me something, I just don't understand. I've actually pointed or touched. Are you talking about, is this, this what you want right here? Yes. Okay. All right. I can do that for you. Clarified. People are, you're hiring high schoolers. You're hiring people who are down on their luck, who possibly don't have the most education, who possibly have been treated like shit all their lives who believe maybe that they're shit and you're paying them like you believe they're shit minimum wage is shit now minimum wage when i came up was supposed to be for kids for high schoolers for people just starting out you got no experience here's the minimum we're gonna pay you and when i came up it was four and a quarter four dollars and 25 cents this is in the 90s but i didn't deserve eight dollars an hour because i didn't know they had to train me they had to teach me i was young i was stupid i mean i told you the walmart story they, they had to, the best way I could make money was earn more hours. And then I could get little raises here and there, whatever. But I was getting my experience, right? That's what, what a high school and college age is for, to build up that experience. And then if you go to college, I say college age, which is what, roughly 18 to 25. During that time, you're gaining experience. Either you're gaining an education that says, hey, I've learned how to do this. And I've gained some experience doing it. Or you've just gone straight through work and, and hopefully focused on gaining good experience, learning how to talk to people, how to adjust in a work life. But that's not the case anymore. I'll I, I pick up McDonald's directly. My wife, when I first got laid off, she had this false idea that any job will do. I'll just take any job. 
you know, you'll take any job. Well, I, I, I tried to tell her that's not how it's going to work. Didn't matter. She had somebody in my brother-in-law's neighborhood. We weren't living here at the time. Now I live in my brother-in-law's neighborhood, but we didn't then. And they knew somebody from way back. Uh, she used to work at McDonald's when she was a teenager. And this one guy owns like five of them in the area. And she, she was a good worker, as she still is. She was always that person who was raised right to say yes ma'am no ma'am and and be customer service oriented and to do the best job possible just like i was i was taught to do the best job you can and that's why i'm always trying to learn more stuff about the jobs i do and so she had a good reputation with the guy who owned these stores and so they called up the contact and he was a manager at this particular mcdonald's it's like yeah 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 just go in on this certain day tell him i sent you and we'll, we'll get you started you know basically no interview no whatever well he was out and he said i'll be out of town but just tell him that I sent you. Well, his word didn't mean shit. Apparently, he didn't have nearly the weight he thought he did, or or he didn't tell anybody dick. I don't know what happened. But my wife shows up on the day she's supposed to, which happens to be open application day, which is literally, you don't just turn an application at McDonald's anymore. At least at this McDonald's, you don't turn an application and then wait for an interview. There's a day where you just show up, and they just start a grind of, all right, who's here first? All right, you're here. Do you have your application filled out? Okay, let's go over it. Let's interview uh, yeah, no, this isn't going to work out, get gone, or hey, yeah. And everybody's sitting around, filling all the tables, taking away from your customers to be able to sit down. All these people are standing around waiting to be interviewed, watching each other being interviewed. You're hearing answers. I mean, there's no privacy. There's no respect. It's a fucking cattle drive. And my wife was 30-something at the time, because uh, I don't remember exactly how long ago it was and her exact age, but she was over 30. She was there with 40-year-olds and 50-year-olds, and, of course, some high schoolers. But this is the economy we're in at the time, that people are just desperate for money. And she was desperate. And she went in and said, hey, Matt, I don't remember his name. Matt sent me. You know, he's, oh, yeah, yeah, Matt. He told me, well, uh, we don't know anything about that. So we're just going to put you through the process. And she okay. They're offering her minimum fucking wage to, well, they're going to bump her like 30 cents or something like that. They're going to bump her 50 cents, something little per hour. They wanted her with four children and a husband who was trying to find work to work at McDonald's for like eight bucks an hour overnight in the overnight shift. No promise of advancement, no promise of training. And and she had to turn it down because they didn't want her. And they actually never, she actually didn't turn it down. She goes, she goes, okay. Uh, and she was desperate for money. She was taken back. She was thrown off her game. She didn't know what to say. She just wanted to have a job. She expected to walk in to have some kind of job and already had some kind of schedule work because she had worked out a schedule with this guy of this will, this will let my husband still try to find work. One of us can watch the kids while the other one's working. And that was not the case at all. And they said, okay. And, and I think she still said yes, but they're supposed to call her to tell her when to start. And they, said, they never called her. Never. Never picked up the phone. And I feel like that was a finding. And then she didn't have to turn it down. We didn't have to have, to have a fight. There was a no fault scenario there. Well, there was a fault. McDonald's is on a hiring side. McDonald's is a piece of shit. They want the lowest common denominator to come in and work for a couple of weeks. And, oh, okay, you're quick. And we'll just hire one of those 50 other people who are trying to get a job for no money. And you go into McDonald's and sometimes you actually still get pleasant people. It's honestly, here's my last thing about this. If you get good customer service, it's weird. It is weird. I don't care where you are. I don't care if you're at the Olive Garden, which is not, you know, it's a mid-level restaurant, right? I don't care if you're at Longhorns, which is, is a fine steakhouse. I don't care if you're at McDonald's or Panera Bread or fill in your spot, Dunkin' Donuts, whatever. Hortons. Uh, if you get good customer service, 
You need to celebrate that. Fucking, I don't care if you're at McDonald's, fucking tip that motherfucker. Give them some extra money and say, oh my God, thank you. The response, I sent back to Carl. Uh, uh, when he, damn it, Carl said, uh, you know, talking about our stories or this and that, that was actually a response to something else I wrote in, but I, I, I called him or I, I left him a message. I had to deal with IRUSA's customer service and it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. The robot made me wait for a very short period of time. The next robot said, Hey, our call volume is extremely high, which is a bullshit phrase. And I told him that I said, I know it's an industry standard for call you're putting people on hold but it's a bullshit thing it makes me think you're not doing your job right but the the reality was i was on hold for less than 60 seconds between the two robots and then got somebody who's super pleasant handled my issue super well and i told her thank you and immediately turned around and i told her thank you multiple times on the phone it's like wow you've made this so easy thank you so much that turned around and i let him know as a higher up in the main heart of the american office of irusa i said dude Forward this message on if you want. Share it with anybody you want. And I'll detail out my experience and how great it was and how amazing their customer service people are because that's what you need to do. That's the only way to change this. Well, there's a couple ways to change it. One is to always be the change you want to see in the world. I think what Gandhi said that. I know Morden says it a lot. And I, I'm not sure what the source is. Uh, be the change you want to see in the world. Uh, I think it's Gandhi. To always be pleasant, always go up to somebody who it doesn't matter if they're, and I'm going to give one last story before I end this thing, but it doesn't matter how they are to you, be nice to them and maybe that'll change their tone. Maybe it'll help out. Secondly, if you're raising kids in any form, if you're teaching them, I know Laura DePooter listens to this show and she has a, a horse uh, park kind of thing going on where she teaches kids to ride horses. I'm sure she's teaching them some elements of this, but teach anytime you have a chance to teach a young one teach them good customer service what does it mean it means listening it means putting a smile on your face it means understanding that maybe they had a shit day and you can be the highlight of their day and not going well fuck you too it means understanding what somebody wants and helping them get that that's what good customer service is so raise your kids that way uh, you know the only other way is if you're the boss treat your employees like customers fuck that shit if you're a fellow employee te- treat your coworkers like they are your best customer in the world now will you know what somebody asked me I'm, I'm hoping somebody will ask me later what's your views on the customer is always right because i've got stories on that and how to deal with that stuff i've got tons of stories on that but treat your people around you like they matter and if you're a boss, it'll it'll definitely flow down through them, and they will treat your customers like they matter. Uh, uh, there's a sign, a mellow mushroom. There's a sign at the mellow mushroom. Uh, that's where I do gigs twice a week, and the employees there. I mean, I, and I, this is the only mellow mushroom I really ever go to. So I I don't know across the board. This is a Georgia thing, so I'm not sure how far out they go. But I don't know how across the board it is. But this restaurant, their waitresses, waiters, their kitchen staff, their management, top notch, happy. People love to work there. And in, in the short period of time I've been there, somebody quit. Something happened. You know, there's there's definitely human conflicts. There's definitely a personality conflicts. People will quit. But there's almost an open-door policy to come back. And this person came back. And she's happy to be back. And she's such a happy person. The sign at the Mellow Mushroom says, we need to take care of our customers first. Because if we don't, somebody else will. And I've actually been witness to some situations where somebody was complaining. 
where it was actually the customer's fault. You know, they didn't order the right thing. They they were being an asshole about it. But the manager's like, well, I can't I can't give you your money back because you know this is that is. But here's what I am willing to do. I'll, I'll make you a whole. You can keep this pizza. I'll make you a whole other one for free. I want to make you happy. What you're asking for is a little unreasonable. I can't give you money and a pizza, but I, I will make sure to you know. I've seen them do their damnness to make the people happy. When it is their mistake, they absolutely take care of it. 100%. Uh, you know, it, it's a very good, it seems to be a very good place to work from what I've observed. But that's the idea. Take care of your customers or somebody else will take care of them for you. That's the same with your employees. That's the same with your coworkers. That's the same with your children. That's the same with your spouse. Take care of them like they matter or somebody else will. And that's what's happened to customer service. I mean, I really believe that Walmart being the business leader in the world has made it all about the almighty dollar and has really treated their people like shit. I believe McDonald's being a huge business leader in the world knows. I mean, that's the reality. They know the economy went to shit a little while back. They know they don't have to pay nearly enough. They know it doesn't matter if somebody goes, fuck you, bitch. I ain't giving you no fries. You're going to complain about them. You're going to raise hell. You're going to get some free food. You're going to win your argument. They're going to get fired because they're going to get fired. And they know you'll be back tomorrow because... It's a habit. They've trained you to be in the habit. Walmart has trained you. McDonald's has trained you. Think about life. Think about even Starbucks. Now, Starbucks typically has great customer service. But think even about that, what do they trained you? One, I do like the Starbucks coffee, but I don't, I don't buy into training. I don't go, oh, I have to go there and get my stuff. I've got a gift card that still has money on it. Eh, I'll get there if I, you know, if I feel like a coffee. I know I, have, I can have my card that gives me a free coffee because it's a gift card. Anyway. You've been trained. Society has been trained to just go and just do. And we've taken the bullshit and we won't stop. And that's, that plays into politics. That plays into religion. That plays into everything you do. If you go to McDonald's or Burger King and you get shitty service, you, Carl, you went to some sandwich place, got shitty service. Are you going to go back there? There's a good chance you are. There's a really good chance, statistically speaking, for the society of the U.S., not to mention outside the world and what you get, what you do outside of the U.S., in the world, rather. Outside the world. You fucking aliens, I don't know what you guys do. I don't know if you go back to Mars after you get some shitty service at Mars. But in the U.S. on Earth, we will. Statistically speaking, you will go back even after getting shitty service because it's not about the service. Even though it should be, they're a customer service oriented business. It's because you have been trained to love the food. Maybe you do like the food, but you've been trained. Have you had your break today? You've been trained, oh, I have to eat out, so I'm going to go here today instead of there. You've been trained, oh, I want this flavor. I mean, I, I really do like McDonald's french fries. I don't buy them that often. I kind of like their hamburgers. But because I know of my health, you know, not that I have any health issues, but because I, well, I guess we call being overweight a health issue, that's a health issue. But I know. I don't want to eat a lot there because it's unhealthy to eat a lot there. But I've trained myself. Fuck them in their training. I've trained myself. You're more likely, even at Walmart, when somebody shits on you. Now, I won't. I, I hated Walmart to start with. I kind of let bullshit voices in my head, not like, kill them all. You know, because those are, those are good voices. Those aren't bullshit voices. <laughs> uh, but, you know, my wife is always about saving money. And so when I was looking at that Batman versus Superman Blu-ray DVD saw that they were matching the price $15 in store. It literally said in store by going, the sticker's not there. That was it for me. I will never shop at Walmart again. Now I told my wife, I don't dictate what she does. I, to my friends, to my listeners, I don't dictate what you do, but I will tell you, I believe in what I'm saying. You give me shitty service. I will take my money away. Even if I love what, and I didn't love what Walmart does. It was an easy decision. I thought Walmart is a shithole. It's the lowest common denominator. It's dirty. They treat their people like shit, who in turn treat me like shit. Fuck you. 
I'm not going to be part of that problem. I'm going to spend more money to have higher quality and better service. And that's something else. God, I got one more story I'm supposed to tell. I'm trying to remember what it was. <sighs> Doesn't matter now. I guess I've lost it. But I won't end it here. I'm over time. I'm talking too much. But that's it. I believe in what I'm saying. And if you give me bad customer service or a bad thing, I will pull my money away. And the last thing that I've learned about that is I realize when I go to Target or I go to a custom place, I'm more into custom now than any anywhere, anytime. I will, when when I the Mac that is sitting on my desktop, I called Apple Store and directly talked to them and I compared the price and what I was getting for it. I and mean, I definitely shopped around but i had them build it it cost me more money than just buying something off the shelf because i'm paying for the experience i'm paying for the service and that's important to me it is just important to me to have a good experience and to feel good about our interaction than it is for me to have the cheapest possible thing and we'll talk about value for value on another show ask me about that value for value on another show and i'm asking you the audience to ask me about that mike might be making notes that's not here nor there maybe it'll come up from him i'm asking you the audience to write me to call me i do remember the story so the other night it was uh, about 1 a.m i was coming back from a gig i was 12 30 ish one you know, close to one and uh, my wife was still up she was preparing for my daughter's party and so i thought i'd surprise her with uh some french fries and a milkshake because that's one of our late night guilty pleasures is uh some greasy food right french fries and and she really loves her milkshakes and i was kind of in the mood for a milkshake too i hadn't had one in a while so i went to checkers uh that's rallies on the west coast checkers on the east coast and it's open all night maybe it's open super late and it's only a drive-through and love their fries love their specific seasoning the way they cook them and this and that and the other and my wife loves her milkshakes so i get in line and uh, and here's the thing i don't know about if this is everywhere but this is definitely how we treat it in the south we roll up to a mcdonald's to anywhere is your milkshake machine working that's what you have to ask or is your ice cream machine working the only place you don't have to ask that is dairy queen because god damn it if your milkshake machine ain't working at dairy queen you need to shut your goddamn doors because your food fucking sucks and you're Dairy Queen. You're all about the ice cream. That's what you were built for. Anyway, <laughs> uh, and apologies for offending you, but I hate Dairy Queen's food. I think it's the shittiest of shittiest food you got away from you're good at. You're great at ice cream. Stick to that. But, you know, whatever. People buy it. So this is my last story. So this is what I forgot I remembered. So anyway, I'm at, che- I'm at-, <laughs> I'm at Checkers, and it's almost 1 a.m., and I said, hey, is your milkshake machine working? And this girl immediately said, because she said, uh, go ahead with your order. She never said hello, greeting me, nothing. She was just, go ahead with your order. Is your milkshake working? No, it's after midnight. We're done. Okay. Okay. Thanks for bitching at me at, in the middle of the night. I appreciate you. Uh, and I thought about just pulling out. By the way, the driveway the drive-through is set up. I could have backed out safely, but you can't go forward without going through the line. You, there's no way to go around the way this particular one's built. And so I was like, well, I guess I'll still get the fries. Like, can I get, you know, a, a large fry yeah okay it'll be four dollars whatever the fuck it was and i'm i'm getting ill right because i'm in customer service when i host karaoke when i host trivia it doesn't matter how drunk or stinky or in my face or god damn it oh my god when somebody leans on me or puts their arm on me to look at my screen to tell me their song get the fuck off of me i hate that it's usually drunk women and i hate that and I'm almost like, hey, I'm married, and I'm happily married, and I wouldn't touch you with a 10-foot pole, and I think you're kind of dirty, and you're sweating on me, and you stink like booze and cheap cigarettes. Get the fuck off. Anyway, 
but I'm customer service. I'm like, yeah, oh, uh, yeah, so, okay, da, da, da. and I'm happy and energetic, and I have to, well, I don't have to, I could tell them to not touch me, but as part of my customer service, I take it, because I know in the long run, they're going to get off of me, and like a pimp, brush my shoulders off, <laughs> and then move on. So I'm getting ill with this, like I just did a, a good karaoke gig where I had to really just amp up the crowd and put so much customer service into it, and she's being a bitch. Just flat out, she is. She's being a bitch. Or she's being bitchy, excuse me, for anybody who might take offense to that. I, I, if you haven't figured it out now, I perfunctorily apologize for shit. I really don't care. These are my views. If you feel like I called you trash or shopping at Walmart, look at your life. Maybe, maybe you could upgrade it a little bit, but I wouldn't call you trash your face. <laughs> Insert smile on the podcast. <laughs> no, my thing is, is I use the words I use and whatever. She was being bitchy. Is reality of it. She was being bitchy. Maybe she wasn't a bitch, but she was being bitchy. And before, right before I pulled up to the window, and I wasn't going to be outright ugly to her. I was just kind of getting ill and, and being ugly, which you know will come off. I thought about, I was like, you know what? It is after midnight. And I don't know what her shift is. I don't know when it ends, but it's fucking late already. And I know what it's like to stand on a greasy floor. And it's a small building. So you smell the fry oil all the time. All people want is their food and for you to fucking leave them alone. And maybe they're rude to you all day long. But the fact of the matter is, I hated my job at Publix when I had to stand on greasy floors and wash dishes. I'm looking in that window going, you know what? It's 1 a.m. She's standing on a greasy floor. She's serving me my food. And maybe it's been a really long day. And it's a shit job. And I know for a fact they pay minimum wage too. To start off with, their managers don't make that much money. They make under $10 an hour to manage a shift at Checkers. How do I know? Because I looked into it because I was going to apply there when I was desperate for a job. Desperation is a bad thing, and a lot of these customer service places buy into that. So what I did was I backed off, and I started smiling, and I started saying thank you. And I don't know if it affected her at all. It affected me. I didn't go home bitching about, oh, this experience I had. You know, I did go home saying, well, and I did stop by McDonald's on the way home to see if their milkshake machine was working. And nope, they had shut it off too for the night. So apparently in Conyers, Georgia, you can't get a milkshake after midnight. All right, fine. And that's the only thing I said to my, my wife. Like, apparently you can't get a milkshake in this town after midnight. It's not going to happen. But here's some fries and we enjoyed it. That's all I'm saying is you can change at least yourself and your reaction to it. So with all that being said, I said I need your questions. I need your responses. Please hit me up at rock got a pod on twitter facebook.com forward slash rock got a podcasting the website rock got a podcasting.com where you can leave comments on the shows you can also hit the speak pipe tab and there you go you'll be able to leave your voicemail much like carl did with the question you can do that there he did use speak pipe on the website there nicole from a previous show did it douglas from a previous show did it uh so you can do it too and email rgop at charlesmcfall.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Now go out, chase somebody else's life, be the rock god of your own life. <laughs>